Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune in to Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket cost. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 888 303-9136. 888-303-9136. 888-303-9136. 888-303-9136. Nobody really needs or wants home security until it's too late. You've heard the statistics about how many burglaries there are per day. You see the news. You know there are people out there that do bad things. The best way to help protect your home and your property is with an ADT monitored system from Protect Your Home, an ADT-authorized premier provider. Call right now to get a free wireless home security system valued at $850. An ADT monitored system can help protect your home from fires, theft, floods, and call for emergency help. Call now to find out more about our $850. free wireless home security system and start enjoying the peace of mind of security today. Call 800-561-2351. 800-561-2351. 800-561-2351. This offers for new customers only. Termination fees apply. $99 customer installation charge and 36-month monitoring agreement required. All for details. License terms and conditions available at secureathome.com. Welcome, welcome everyone to Blog Talk USA. We hope everyone out there is doing well. Uh, Before we get started, we first want to extend our thoughts and our prayers for our brother, Brandon Johnson, host of the Gumbo Mix, the Brandon Johnson Show. He did test positive at the end of last week for COVID-19. So we pray that he is resting and getting the care that he needs and that he and his family uh, make it through this uh, healthy and strong. So we're thinking about you, Brandon, and we love you. And everyone out there who's going through this, we're all in this together. So our thoughts and prayers are with all of you. So please, please stay safe, everybody. Keep following those distancing rules and take good care of yourself and your loved ones. Okay, let me tell you how you can always find us and listen to our live programs and our archived episodes. The number to call to listen live by phone is 515-605-9375. You can also find us at blogtalkusa.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. And you can also find us in podcast form on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, 
on um, Apple Radio and pretty much any place you can find podcasts, you can find Blog Talk USA podcast. Okay. I know we have a lot of guests tonight, and I know Dr. McKellar is ready to go, so let me give the microphone over to Dr. McKellar, your host. Welcome, Dr. McKellar. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Ms. Rihanna. It is always a pleasure to be right back here every Monday on Marvelous Monday, and no matter what's going on in our world, in our country, in our nation, it is still a Marvelous Monday. Every time we wake up, open our eyes, right? It is a marvelous day, and so we're thankful for that. And thank you so much for bringing in uh, to kick off our show. We're going to do this show in honor of our beloved uh, Mr. Brandon Johnson, who is an amazing, amazing uh, leader in East Texas and Gregg County, our community. As everybody knows, he's the past president of the NAACP chapter there in Gregg County. Uh, He is on our Thursday gumbo mix, and so he's a brilliant uh, a young man, and so we're praying hard for uh, Brandon. We know that his wife uh, tested positive, and she's doing pretty good now. And and now it's it, Brandon. And so, so mm-hmm. we're gonna, Miss Rihanna. Let me tell you, we're gonna have to do a show on uh, specifically talking about uh, whether COVID nineteen is a hoax. There are people out there who still mm-hmm. do not believe that this pandemic is real. Ladies and gentlemen, Mm. this is real. Let me just tell you that uh, we have been pretty blessed here in Smith County, in Tyler, Texas in particular. We had about two, three, well, three zip codes in particular, Ms. Rihanna, that actually, uh, that it had hit here in Tyler. And so today uh, it hit my district. And so we have an outbreak there at what used to be called the Texas College apartment uh, right next door to to texas college uh, itself and uh, it's called something differently now so we're busy today trying to to get signs put together trying to reach out to that management who which happens to be in mr arthur's territory by the way good evening mr arthur and welcome right back here to your show marvelous monday uh, i know he's there listening so we are looking for that uh, management so that we can get signs to place uh, in East, in Tyler, Texas, North Tyler, my district, District 3, because now it has hit our area. And so we've lost some really, really uh, clo- up close and personal uh, people. We had a funeral on uh, Saturday. Well, you not even can't even have funerals anymore, Ms. Rihanna. You know that you cannot have any more than 10 to 15 people if you're inside of a church building and then 10 people at the grave site, and most people stay in their vehicles. So this is real. This is serious. So we're going to have to do, because there's been a lot of talk uh, about it being, quote, unquote, a hoax, and we know where that first originally came from, and so we'll talk about that some other time. But we have a great show. Mr. Arthur, are you there? I don't think Arthur. he's on yet. I think he was he's in, and I yet? think his line got cut off, so he'll be calling okay. in back okay. in. Yeah, because a couple of our guests, uh, we're going to start out with, uh, we're going to start with the young folks tonight. Uh, we're so honored <laughs> to have uh, Miss Kerrigan Sanders on with us tonight, and she's got somebody uh, that she wants to introduce to us, and probably many of us know exactly who this young lady is. But Miss Kerrigan Sanders, are you there? Yes, I am. Good evening. How are you? Welcome to Marvelous Monday. It's great to have you on with us tonight. 
I am good. Good evening to you all. Good evening. Um, my Thank name you. is Kerrigan Sanders, as Councilmember um, Shirley McKellar has uh, stated, and I would like to um, bring up this wonderful person that I'm about to introduce you to. Her name is Miss Brianna Hutchison. She but is before the you former... Miss Kerrigan, can I jump in? Yes. I want to jump in. Before you bring Miss Brianna in, tell us who you are. Tell us a couple of the things that, because that, I want everybody to know that we have some young folk out there in Texas that are working just as hard as all the rest of us. Because you hear people say, well, the young folk are not involved and the young folk are not interested and so forth. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, take a, a couple of minutes, say who you are and what you brought into East Texas and Texas, and then introduce Miss Brianna. And then we'll turn right. this over to Miss Brianna. Do that. Go ahead. Well, my name is Carrie Sanders, and I am the East Regional Director for the Texas Young Democrats, and I am the Texas Young Democrats Black um, Vice Chair, Caucus Vice Chair, and I uh, fulfill those roles to the best of my abilities. And we just had our state board meeting, our quarter one state board meeting here in East Texas, and we had a room full of Democrats who showed their support for young people, and Councilmember McKellar was in attendance, and um, I was just so thankful for um, the support that we have uh, gotten over the years um, since I have started um, this effort to get youth engagement. Um, since 2016, that tragic day that uh, Donald Trump <laughs> came into <laughs> office, <laughs> and, and you know, ever since then, he has undone all of the initiatives that President Barack Obama has put in place. You notice that I said President Barack Obama, and uh, you know, um, but I am also the founding president and the acting president of Smith County Young Democrats. And we are here to mobilize and organize the youth here in Smith County and around other um, uh, in other counties as well here in East Texas. My plan is to mobilize and organize the youth so that they know that they have a voice and they can utilize it at the ballot and um, tell their um, the people who represent them that they work for them not the other way around. And, you know, once that they know that they have power and who they elect, things can change. It matters. Rural voices matter. And, you know, we often get overlooked. We often get uh, discounted because it's as though we are a country. We are um, illiterate. We're not as educated as those who live in the urban areas. But, you know, we bring so many things to the table that um, often people are like, are, are so surprised. And um, I am so fortunate to be um, representing the youth for East Texas, and I cannot wait to see all of the things that we will be doing from now until November and uh, moving forward okay. from there. Beautiful, um, but Beautiful. moving forward, 
I would like to introduce uh, one of my colleagues that I work closely with in the Texas Young Democrats and someone who I worked with um, on the Beto campaign as well. Um, her name is Miss Brianna Hutchison. She is running for the um, DNC, the Democratic National Committee uh, Youth Representative uh, position. She is the past Texas College Democrats president. Now, let me tell you this. <laughs> I know that I'm bad, but this young lady is somebody who is better than me. She knows policies. She can write them. She can state them. She can spit them out. She knows the laws like the back of her hands. And she attended Texas Tech, which, as you all know, or uh, Dr. McKellar knows, I attended Texas Tech, and I'm partial. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I know that Ms. Uh, Brianna Hutchison is someone who is going to represent us, not just for the votes, but um, she's going to hold the DNC accountable for um, the youth. She's going to hold the DNC accountable for black and brown um, voices. She's going to hold the DNC accountable as far as transparency is concerned. She's going to hold them accountable through and through. This is somebody who we need to represent Texas. This is somebody who we need to sit up here and say, hey, this is not right. You're not going to mislead or misguide my people in this way. So I would like to introduce you to Miss Brianna Hutchison. Brianna, are you on? <laughs> I am. Hello, hello. Good evening, Miss Brianna. Let me let me just say this before before you get going, Miss Brianna. I think you need to carry Miss Kerrigan Sanders on the road with you because you have somebody <laughs> that is going to push and pull and make sure that the people of Texas knows exactly who you are. I want to welcome you to Marvelous Monday. We're so thankful that you're able to come in. Just begin first by telling us what office that you're running for. And then tell us why you decided to run for that office and why you're better for that than anybody else uh, in Texas. Go ahead, and thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brianna Hutchison, as Kerrigan said, and I'm running to be the DNC Youth Representative to sit on the Democratic National Committee and attend and participate in the meetings and represent the youth of Texas in those proceedings. I chose that position to run for because I've had the opportunity to not only organize but lead Texans all over the state. As Kerrigan mentioned, I was the president of the Texas College Democrats. Before that, I was the development director for the Texas College Democrats. And through both of those roles, I had an opportunity to work collaboratively with different sort of campuses and communities, big and small, to support them in their efforts to organize their communities, and that experience, I think, is something that's absolutely necessary and a representative for this state. This state is changing and growing every day, and the parts of this state that we need to push in some democratic leadership are all over it, and they're in a lot of those same communities. Additionally, my experience organizing for Better Work in West Texas of 2018 was a lot of fun. It was a lot of days out in the Texas hot, hot heat. But we were <laughs> able to really train up so many 
new people to know what it is to engage in not only the political process, but organizing others and leading others in things, activities such as block walking and phone banking. Those things together, I think, make me very uniquely qualified to run for this position, especially because, as Kerrigan says, there's an accountability that's missing. Um, and that comes from a lack of transportation, but trans, um, it comes from a lack of transparency, but is also from a lack of communication between okay. everyone involved. And so I want to make sure that the communication is clear and is consistent and that at every junction, people have the opportunity to know what's happening, to know the things and the ways that it is changing. Um, Additionally, when it came to representing the state of Texas on the national level, I was able to observe as a visitor some DNC meetings and observe the sort of resources and programs that are being developed for states uh, across the nation. And I want to make sure that those things get here to Texas. Um, There is an unprecedented amount of interest in turning Texas and engaging Democrats in Texas, and they need to make sure that they are engaging with rural communities, communities of color, rural communities of color, um, as well as young people. Um, Young people are, in a lot of cases and in a lot of places, the foot soldiers doing a lot of the organizing. We need to make sure that they're supported, that they're paid, and that they know that this broader Democratic Party structure is really inclusive to them and that they have a place here and their voice has a place at this table. Right. Very good. So uh, considering then you talked about uh, working on the Beto campaign and how you guys were out there in the heat knocking on doors, but you, you helped to make that thing happen almost. Uh, Tell me with this COVID-19 going on in our nation, excuse me, in, in Texas, Uh, And we know the Texas Democratic Party's convention is coming up in June. How are you going to be able to, and this is great, we we thank you for coming on with us tonight because this is one avenue. What other avenue that you see that you're going to be able to do in order to get your message out to the people across Texas so that they can vote for you? Because as we know, uh, the Texas Democratic Party, as we know it, that convention has been canceled and it's going to be virtual uh, convention now. What are some of the other ways that you're going to be able to get your message out to the community? Um, we are going to be using every resource available to us. We rolled out our email, our first email, introducing people to me and my experience and my platform for this position. Additionally, getting on the phone. Um, it's a lot of listening to dial tones, but it is absolutely necessary to dial and not only talk to, but listen to people across the state. Um, and it's a big job, and I've got wonderful people like Kerrigan who are happy and willing, and I'm so grateful for their willingness to help me out and support me in this way. Um, working with things like text messaging and things that I know we all know that youth respond to better, as well as virtual town halls. I think this virus has given us not only an opportunity, but a challenge to say, okay, you say that it is absolutely important to go listen to and speak with people in their communities. And there are hurdles. There are hurdles of access. There's a hurdle of time. There's the hurdle of 
being able to spend the money that it takes sometimes to engage in these processes. And if you are committed to taking down those barriers, this is your first Mm -hmm. challenge. And so using those resources, using and engaging with people on social media and things like that are the ways that we are going to take this message to as many people as possible. Great. Okay, so tell us uh, professionally, are you out of college now? I know that you served as president uh, at Texas Tech, and I know that you guys, you're partial to Texas Tech, which is an amazing (laughs) uh, university. So what do you do right now? Are you out of college right now? I am out of college. I am living in Austin, working on a campaign and working in a finance department. Okay. So you guys are amazing. Uh, Kerrigan, as we know, had the opportunity to work on the Bloomberg campaign. Uh, did, you, did you have an opportunity to work on any of the presidential campaigns when they were going on? No. I began my current position back in August, and so I've been here working and living and building the foundations of the campaign. So right. I didn't get you a have chance a web- to see. And- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, yeah, you I just did didn't get a chance to be a part of the presidential. I did get a chance to watch and see people like Kerrigan organize right. and Gabby Harris and SFA working for Warren, organizing right. their communities for these giants who were working to try and represent us. As well. Um, exactly. I don't have a website. I'm on Facebook. Okay. okay. Um, you Tell can us how to find you. Mm-hmm. It is Brianna for DNC Representative, B R I A N N A, for DNC, F O R DNC Representative. Those, you can check us out there. You can shoot me an email at Brianna4, number 4, DNC at gmail.com. I want to hear from people, um, and I want them to know that their concerns are top of my priority list when it comes to laying the groundwork for running for this office. Very good. So what are some of the other things that you feel that we need to know about you uh, to set you apart from any, and I don't know if you have, I'm sure this is not a contested race that, I mean, that it is a contested race, that you probably have some other others that are running against you. So tell us specifically what it is that you want us to focus on that sets you apart from anybody else that's running for this position. A couple of things. The thing. The couple of things that I believe set me apart are my experience across communities. I'm originally from the southwest part of Houston, Texas. I did have the opportunity to spend summers and weekends in a bit of the southeast Texas area, um, Lufkin and Cold Spring and places like that. But I also was able to attend school in Lubbock and organize the entire West Texas region. And that experience is the sort of experience that is necessary to organize the state. If we are going to have even a chance to bring Democratic leadership, the Democratic leadership that Texans deserve, we have got to be able to communicate with communities in big and small places. I'm the only black woman, black person running in this race, and that is helps me grow and broaden my experience and informs my organizing. Um, and I think it would inform my ability to represent the diverse and ginormous state. Um, I have put a lot of miles on my car 
Um, <laughs> I have a time, a great laugh every year doing my taxes, looking at how many miles driving from this thing to be at this thing to participate um, and be there and be representing. And that is the sort of representation Texas needs. Exactly. That's beautiful. Tell us, and I have one more question, and then maybe my partners, uh, Ms. Rihanna and Mr. Arthur out of Dallas, Texas, may have some questions for you uh, before we move on to our next guest, and we want you to stick around uh, to hear more about what we have to offer on our shows. But when did you first get involved, and what was it that was going on that drove you to be involved as as an activist, you and Ms. Kerrigan are amazing young activists because you're young women uh, in your 20s, your early 20s, uh, early to mid-20s. And so uh, because I, I think it's just so crucial for people to see and understand that we do have youth like yourselves that are out there working on behalf of the great state of Texas and this nation. But what was the original time that you first got involved politically and what was going on that drove you to that point? Go ahead. Well, the very first time that I was really active in the political process was the 2014 midterm elections um, where Wendy Davis was unsuccessful in her gubernatorial run. And I worked those elections as a student election worker. And more than anything, a lot of people didn't show up. The women that were there who had been working that location for years and years and years, um, they had worked early voting and they knew that it's like um, an old an old gentleman standing out and saying he could smell rain coming. They could smell that people were not going to turn out and show up in that election. And those numbers were low. And that was an opportunity that was janked around and moved around by the courts to the last minute and people didn't participate. And I think it's so difficult um, in Texas to engage in voting. There are so many rules and ways that it changed, and I got to see that up close and personal. A veteran came into our our voting station and couldn't get things situated. And he said that he had been able to vote when he was deployed all over the world, but coming in person to do this process had locked him out. And that's so... So um, topical right now when it comes to the idea of mail-in ballots and continuing to provide access to them. Um, Over the years, I've been drawn back in the election of Donald Trump, um, the sort of behavior of attacking immigrants, attacking communities of color, um, completely being unwilling to do the things that we know people need to be able to support themselves. And so that was the first time, okay. and every single time I get drawn back in, and I'm so grateful okay. to have people like Kerrigan alongside me in this fight. Very good, in this fight together. Very good. That's outstanding. Uh, let's see. Miss Rihanna, who is actually uh, one of our co-hosts and a young woman. Miss Rihanna, you have any questions of Miss Rihanna? Uh, and then we'll go to Mr. Arthur, and then we'll we'll move on over to our next guest. And we thank Ms. Rihanna so much for being on. She is an amazing young woman. Just just these two ladies mirror each other. Uh, I mean, you would think that they have been around in the political world for a very long time because they're so skilled in their knowledge. Ms. Rihanna, any questions of Ms. Rihanna? Ms. Rihanna, come in and ask any questions of Ms. Brianna before we move uh, okay, over to can our you hear next. Me now? 
Yes, we can hear can you, you now. now. Yes, go ahead. Yes, how are you doing? Good evening, Arthur. First of all, good evening, and good evening, ladies. It's, it's great to uh, hear that great young talent coming up because we're going to need it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before I, but before I ask my question, I just want to say to you young ladies, make sure y'all bring the brothers with you now. Don't leave the brothers. <laughs> bring, bring, bring the young bring, brothers. Yeah, because you're going to need us. You know, you're going to need us. Of course, I'm an old brother, that's, but I'm just saying, I'm speaking for them. Uh, that's right. And as a GOTV chair, as GOTV chair for Dallas NAACP, we're putting together our uh, issues campaign for the, uh, what is it, what is it, July campaign or June? Which one is it, June? July? July June. campaign. Uh, June, okay. Uh, okay, for the oh, June, June campaign. You're talking for, about the, run, the runoff. The runoff, the runoff right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So we're doing that, uh, uh, and we're putting together a program, uh, uh, an issues-based campaign. As you well know, uh, we're going to be able to do mail-in ballots and so forth and so on. So what I want to ask you is, we put together our program for these two elections coming up. Uh, do you have any advice or any uh, resources that uh, we could use to access uh, or to uh, uh, you know get in touch with? You know the younger generation. Of course, you know we're going to be doing the, the the social media piece, that type thing. I'm just saying, do you have any resources? Do you have any people up here that's working up here in this area that might want to work with us, or uh, you know, or that type of thing? Um, I think that social media is a great starting point. I think working collaboratively on social media, so reaching out to Greek organizations and asking them to push behind reaching out to black professional organizations in the DFW area. I think a collaborative effort, maybe a day of action specifically when it comes to the pieces and the information you want to get out, um, engaging with college students, campus, black student associations, and things like that are ways that you can make your organizing really impactful and I think that would be a great a great starting point for making sure that that program reaches as many people and as many places as possible. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. Any final? I don't think I'm not sure where Miss Brianna is, but final your final comments, uh, Miss Brianna, because I understand you do have a, another yes. Interview. Yes, Ms. Rihanna was on mute, so I don't know. Ms. I'm Rihanna, so sorry. You have a I was, I was stuck. Ms. Rihanna. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. No <laughs> My apologies. No, I was listening. I, I don't have a, a question, but what I do want to express is my gratitude and respect for uh, this leadership, young leadership, leadership that's been around for a while. Um, it's it's all leadership that is sorely needed and so much appreciated. So. Uh, I just share what Mr. Arthur said. Very good. Thank you so much. Your final comments, Ms. Brianna, and we want to thank uh, Ms. Kerrigan for bringing you on tonight. You are amazing, and I've just enjoyed just sitting here and listening to you dialogue uh, like a long-time mature activist that's been out there on that battlefield yes. for a long time. Thank you so much for your service. Give us your final comments. Uh, anything that you want us to know, once again, repeat to us how we can find you on social media and then ask for that vote because there are people across Texas that are listening to you right now. Go ahead. Well, you first I would like to thank you all so much for having me on. You can find me on Facebook if you look up Brie for DNC or Brianna for DNC Youth Representative. You'll see me there. I've got on some great blue and a wonderful blue and purple logo that was produced by a a young Democrat in 
So my last ask would be I would love to receive donations um, for anyone who would like to see us continue this work and to grow this work. You can click on the website button and you can donate um, so that we can continue to reach Texas. Texas is a big state, and the youth delegation um, is just as big. And so the resources needed to get this message to as many people can be provided by you. But I just want to one last time Thank you so much. Thank you, Kerrigan, for connecting me to this wonderful program. And you all have a wonderful evening. Thank you, ma'am, so much. And you as well. And all the best for you. We're pulling for you and pushing for you that you may be able to hold that position because I think that you would do an amazing <clears throat> job with it. Thank you so much. God bless you and, and uh, Ms. Kerrigan Sanders. Thank you so much. That's Ms. Brianna Hutchison. And those that are listening out there, don't forget, check her out and vote and vote like you never, ever voted before. Thank you, Texas. Thank you, Young <clears throat> Democrats. All right. So now we're ready to get going and uh, moving on over to our next guest that we have that's on with us this evening. Uh, and I'm going to bring in, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if she wants to introduce her special guest or not. This is a very dear friend of mine, uh, my sorority sister, uh, top lady of distinction, Miss Thelma Johnson, who introduced me to uh, this next guest. And so I've, I've just been amazed of, of speaking with her and listening to the work and, and the things that she's been involved in. And so, Miss Thelma Johnson, I don't know if you want to introduce your guest, the special guest tonight. If not, then I'll let her introduce herself. Miss uh, Johnson, if you want to, you can press one and come in and greet us this evening just to say hello uh, as a uh, as a matter of fact, Ms. Thelma Johnson has done amazing work in Houston, Texas. She's a, a former educator uh, working closely with our young students in a bullying program, and we were able to actually put on an event that she actually was the brainchild for that event, uh, working with all of the young students there in Houston, Texas that were going through uh, issues in public schools and even private schools, bullying in, in particular the public schools because that's the area, uh, her area of focus. But uh, we're always concerned about what's going on with our youth, our young folk, uh, like these two that just left off the air. And even younger, uh, we know that some lives were lost. Uh, that some young students took their lives because of the experience that they were uh, dealing with with bullying in, in, in their school system. Ms. Johnson, if you want to come in and say hello and introduce your guest, we'd be delighted to have you do that. Are you there? Ms. Selma Johnson? If not, we'll go straight. She may be yeah, a little back. Dr. McKellar? A, yes, a call just a call just dropped right when you said that, so it may it may possibly be her. I'll let you know if she comes back in okay. in just a second. Okay, well, good. Well, we'll we'll move on to uh, introduce our special guest for the evening, and we can let her. Uh, nobody can introduce and talk about themselves any better than the person themselves. And so we're so excited to have uh, her name is Miss Virginia Battles. And Miss Virginia, a lovely, lovely lady, uh, and I hope that her line is open up. She is a 409 number, uh, area code Miss Rihanna. And so, Miss Virginia yes. Battles, are you there? I am. Can everyone hear me? 
Yes, we can. Good evening, ma'am. Welcome to Marvelous Monday. It is just so great to have you on. I was going to have Miss, uh, your dear friend, Miss Johnson, to introduce you, but you can introduce yourself. So tell us exactly who you are and, uh, and, and what, uh, what your mantra is and what you're most interested in making sure that our communities across Texas and the nation uh, is educated on and this is this is your issue is one of the uh, many times that we have had various and sundry women on this show talking about just what you're going to be talking to us about tonight go ahead and introduce yourself ma'am and thank you for being here and thank you so much for having me. My name is Virginia Battles. I am a licensed certified belief therapist, a licensed belief therapist, and a certified reentry crisis counselor, where we work with women and children in domestic violence. Uh, we also work along with um, men and women that are recently released from prison, uh, teaching them how to get in step to um, alter their behavior, stay in step to change their mindset, and watch their step to be able uh, to be aware, excuse me, and conditioned to make every step count. Uh, what we also do is we work with small businesses or those that are interested in starting a business um, to get their DBA, their EIN, their MPI, their LLC, whatever it is that they really need. Um, we work very hard in every area. However, my baby is domestic violence. Um, as a survived battered woman, um, I'm, i I know that I was left on this earth to make a difference in the lives of others that are living their lives in domestic violence. And I'm just so thankful to God for keeping me here to be able to understand those women, understand those children, and give them guidance for a better life. Okay, very good. Now, explain, before we get really into uh, some questions, explain to us all of those characters. I, I, I had to look up those characters to find out exactly what all of them meant. And so I, I was impressed to find out those different designations. Kind of give us a little bit about those designations, and then you can start by telling us your story of how you actually got into uh, working with uh, women and men because as we know there are some men who are involved in domestic violence uh, as well Absolutely. and when I what I mean by that is that they have received uh, domestic violence so uh, so give us a little rundown on how uh, you got involved in this but more but first to tell us what those different designations are and and how you acquire them what they all meant thank you Okay, as a certified reentry crisis counselor, uh, what it does is it I, I have uh, my counseling degree in order to be able to work along, um, never been incarcerated, I always like to say that because I've never been incarcerated. People ask me all the time, why do you do that? But I've never been incarcerated. However, um, I, I just was very interested in making a difference in the life of other people. So I wanted to become a certified um, crisis counselor for reentry programs to be able to work with men and women um, who are recently released from prison in our state parole. As a licensed uh, belief therapist and a licensed certified belief therapist, um, we really come from the Word of God uh, with that part of the counseling whenever we are working along, whether it may be women, whether it may be men, or whether it may be children. 
my interest is so deep, however, for domestic violence. Um, as I stated in the beginning, I am a survived battered woman. Um, I am a victorious woman of God because um, I made it. Um, I lived in um, domestic violence for 14 years. Uh, for 10 of those years, I was abused. I never reported it. I remained silent um, because I thought that I was the only woman uh, that was being abused. So I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. So I wouldn't really share with anyone the abuse that I was receiving. Um, the end of the abuse, or close to the end, um, I was beat so severely. I had 246 stitches in my head. I was in a coma uh, for three months. Um, I didn't know my children, my family, um, anyone uh, when, I, when I came out of the coma. Um, however, there was an advocate um, that was with me when I, when I came out of the coma, and she informed me that there had been an advocate sitting with me every night that I was in my coma. And she wow. said, someday you are going to help other women. The only thing I could do was look at her and say, who, me? I can't even help myself. But oh, wow. we never know the plan that that God has for us. We never know the plan. And exactly. the plan and being able to to make a difference and understand uh, those that are living their lives, those that are experiencing um, domestic violence, to be able to finish their sentences, um, to be able to watch them cry and say, you don't understand, and for me to be able to share with them, I do understand because I used to be right where you are now, which allows them to relax and be able to communicate with me that I'm able to help and assist them even more because they trust me because they understand I've been where they are. So they know I'm not judging them, that I'm literally there to make a difference with them. them. Okay, so yes. let, let, let's back up for a little bit, and, and let's, mm-hmm. let's take a look at what that profile of domestic violence really looks like. Mm. Uh, a lot of people uh, experience all kinds of uh, different things and different patterns of uh, domestic violence. So can you kind of give us a little profile, some of the things that we can see uh, that we'll be able to say, yeah, that is a domestic violence. Uh, and you can talk a little bit about controlling behavior, physical, emotional, mm-hmm. uh, psychosocial, all finance, all kinds of, uh, of patterns. Can you talk a little bit about those things? Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you so much for bringing that up because many people really believe um, if you are not physically uh, being hit, if you are not physically being abused, that you are not um, being abused. That is so not true. Uh, verbal. Verbal abuse is what comes out of the mouth, the things that people say, the words that they speak, which entails and hurts mentally and emotionally. Uh, verbal abuse, honestly, is worse than physical abuse. Yes. Um, the hits, the licks, they hurt when, whenever someone hit us. But the words that are spoken, it stays in the mind. And once you are thinking about this, it is affecting you mentally. And then it begins to affect you emotionally. There is also sexual abuse. And 
I want to emphasize to everyone that is listening um, on the sexual abuse. Um, I do know that right now during the COVID-19, there are a lot of children that are truly uh, experiencing sexual abuse right now, which is so sad. But, you know, many people really don't understand that the word no means exactly that, no, even if it's your spouse even if it's your partner, your boyfriend, if you say no, then the word no stands. What many do not understand is that when a woman say no and the male or the female, whoever it may be, continue to do what it is that they would like to do, that is really considered rape. Financial abuse. Mm, yeah, <laughs> financial <laughs> abuse. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm... I'm <laughs> Women, some women work, some women, some women employed, some women are not. Um, and I know I'm speaking a lot on women tonight, but I will speak on men shortly. But when I'm, I'll use myself, for example, I'm married. Um, um, I just want to go maybe and get my nails done. It may cost $60 to get my nails done. And I'm asking for the $60 as if I'm a kid to ask for $60 to get my nails done. Well, if it turns around that, you know, well, no, I'll give you 20 or no, I'll give you 30. You know, that's, that's actually financial abuse within itself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even spiritual abuse in the church. There's, there's mm-hmm. spiritual abuse. Let's, let's be mm-hmm. honest. There's spiritual mm-hmm. abuse when we're in the church, you know, we're going through, we have some problem and we want to, um, communicate, let's say communicate about it, okay, but we're not a part of the clique, and I hope I'm not touching any toes this evening, but I'm just being real about abuse. Uh, we're not a part of the clique, but yet we need to, we need help, so we need to get to someone to be able to assist us, but we're not one of the important ones, so it's hard for us to get from, let's say, the back row to the front front row to get the assistance that it is that we do need. I mean, I'm just putting some real examples out there for the listeners tonight. While there's just mental, physical, emotional, sexual, financial, it's just so, it's just so much. It's so, like she said, psychological, you know, control, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. wow, especially now, the now that's a control. Key word right there. Yes. Now, now let, let's deal with that complete control word because I mm-hmm. think that's, that's where you're taking us right now because you talked about the money and, and that person controls the money. So, therefore, mm-hmm. if he controls the money or she controls the money, they control the individual that's being abused, right? Is that what you're telling Absolutely. Me? Absolutely. 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 Or even there's just like so many different scenarios when it comes to uh, control. I will use a great example right before the interview this afternoon. Um, I received a call and there was a victim that I, you know, had to assist. And she spoke about this very thing uh, about the control. Um, Now, she had to get permission to go to work. Um, She couldn't just go to work. She had to ask him, was it okay for her to go to work? I'm like, wow, that's complete control. Um, That's a real deep control that I've never literally heard of before. Um, Controlling where you go, controlling uh, whether or not you associate with your family or with your friends, because the majority of the time, whenever 
when you are in an abusive relationship, um, that is controlled on whether or not you have any friends, on whether or not you are able to socialize with your family. Um, All of that can be literally cut off when you are with an abuser. And that can be male or female. Or female. Well, let me just say this to you, Miss Virginia. I've heard many times people would say, well, why don't they just absolutely leave? Why don't they just walk out? And so why is it that you see that that even people, women in particular, because we're talking about women right now, and a lot of uh, the bulk of the abusers uh, are women, excuse me, strike that, the bulk of those who have been abused are women, even though we know there's a small percentage of men who are and have been and still is, but why do you think that women uh, stay right there? Some of them, some of these victims return right back and stay right back there with that abuser, no matter what they, they I, you know, I don't know if they feel like they're trapped or whatever. You want to dialogue a little bit, and then maybe you can go to your story and tell us a little bit more about, about how your abusing got started. Because you did say, and Mr. Arthur and I, are, are we're prior military, and so you did mention to me early on today that, that your, your abuser was indeed a military man. Correct. You want to dialogue a little bit on that? Go ahead. Sure, sure. Um, he, he was in the Army. He was military in the Army, um, and I didn't, again, I didn't report it. I hid it um, until um, it got, I guess, to the point where it, it was so bad. It was just so bad. As a matter of fact, a good example of that would be finally I made the decision to report to the first sergeant uh, regarding the abuse. And at that point, um, he was restricted to the barracks. Um, He had a certain amount of time to report to the barracks. And, of course, he was really, really upset about that. Um, And as he was gathering things, you know, from the home to leave, I mean, it was just a simple thing I said, like, if you're going to take the TV, leave, you know, the stereo. If you're going to take the stereo, leave the TV, but just leave something. And there was a voice, a voice that I heard in my head, and it was like, shh, you know, turn around and walk away. When I turned around to walk away, um, this is when um, he hit me in the back of my head with the mortar shell. I'm sure that many of you that um, have been in the military know what a mortar shell is. I think they farm off, I guess, in the field. I thought these were so cute, so I decided I'm going to paint, you know, spray paint them, and I'm going to put these like, you know, and have them as decorations. I had no idea that this would end up being the weapon um, that would, basically almost take my life. Um, So I was hit the first time in the back of my head. Um, I was hit so hard with it. Actually, I really didn't even feel um, the lick. I didn't even feel it. Um, And when I tried to run, my shoe uh, had gotten stuck, like running out the door at that point. Um, He put his his knee in my chest, and he began to beat me and beat me, and I knew that he was attempting to get to my face. So I took my hands and I put my hands over my face so that he wouldn't destroy my face. At that point, um, I had a lot of my fingers were broken. A lot of my teeth were knocked out. Um, He didn't stop beating. He didn't stop beating. And I remember um, squirming, trying to get away. And 
Um, I do remember, believe it or not, it's been many years, but I remember saying, what about our children? You know, please don't kill me. I love you. And I don't remember another um, him hitting me anymore after that. But it could have been that so I how, lost so, so much blood that get, I passed out. So, right. So then did he call the – Were you? I think you mentioned you were left there by him, left to die, so to speak. Um, can, well, can you tell us um, what happened, how you got to the hospital? Okay. Well, I don't remember that part, but I remember my neighbor that lived across the street stated that she seen him meeting me, and she was an elderly lady, so of course, you know, she couldn't come to help. But she did um, inform me that she had contacted the police and the paramedics sure. and everyone to come. Uh, so he didn't leave; he was still there. Um, and once, um, I guess, once the police arrived, at this point, I'm out. You know, I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm literally out of it at that point. But um, he, he was arrested. He didn't run. He was arrested. Um, mm-hmm. I remember going to court um, even after coming out of my coma and, and uh, going into court. And when he did come into court, he had on um, the same clothes, uh, which had all of my blood over it. Um, wow. So, of course, yeah, so that was, like, traumatic to me. I mean, I was just, like, even afraid share, though we were in with, court. Yeah, share with us the um... – the incident that you mentioned to me early on today when the judge was asking you questions and you couldn't really answer the question and the attorney came <laughs> over and go ahead with that one. Sure. Um, the, the judge was asking me what happened. He wanted me to give my point of view. And um, when the judge asked the question to me, he looked at me. And of course, again, um, I was afraid. So it wasn't an attorney. It was his first sergeant. His first sergeant okay. and his wife were in court uh-huh, Were in court with me. They were very supportive. So when the first sergeant was seen, actually, I was froze. I just couldn't say anything. This is when he came and he took my cap off. And this is when the judge was able to see I had no hair. All he seen was you know, all of the stitches um, that that was in my head. Um, so right. at that point, the judge knew, wait a minute, this is not just the argument or this is just not, he knew that it was more severe. And you yeah. had asked uh, regarding why do women stay? I definitely want to emphasize on that um, because mm-hmm. many people, I won't say women or men, I would just say people, when they have not um, uh, experienced um, domestic violence. Of course, they do not understand why we stay, but we stay because of fear. We are afraid. We stay because we have very low self-esteem. We stay because we are not who we used to be. We are totally someone different because all we hear is dominating things spoken to us. There is no uplifting things Nothing is never good enough. So it's like we're always humiliated. I mean, we're just nothing that we do. Food could be prepared and, oh, there's not enough salt. And there could be the whole table that's flipped over, even if the entire family um, is sitting wow. at the table. So a lot of women, um, they they stay because they are afraid. A lot of them stay because they feel as if they leave. Um, how will I survive? What will I do? Because yeah. I'm one of yeah. those women that thought that, yes, I was one of those women that, that really felt that way. But again, to God be the glory, 
the day that I decided to leave was the day that I said to him, which I never had spoken back to him at all because I was afraid. And I mm-hmm. said, I'm leaving. And he said, well, today is the day that you will die. And I said, well, I guess I'm going to die today. So I know that it was no one but God that blessed me to walk past him, and he did not touch me. Oh, my God. I was so glad wow. to get to the car. And when I made it to the car, I just went and I sit and I gave him, um, timed him on maybe what time he would arrive at work. And by the time I thought he had arrived at work, I called when he answered. I already had a truck. I already had the guys, everything for them to move me. A lot of women, they're just not at that point. My my heart is heavy for um, all of the women that are now, and men and children that are living, anyone that that are living their lives in domestic violence. My heart is heavy for them, and I wish that I can help everyone. But I'll say to any listener that is listening, if you are living your life, in domestic violence, if you are living in silence, help is available. Please, please seek help. It will never get any better, never. Before we end end this show, we're going to talk about that specific help, those locations that people can call and talk to, and I know that (laughs) Uh, my partners are going to have some questions of you, but but I have this is always a burning question for me uh, when mm-hmm. I hear women and and my heart just bleeds for you listening to your story, but but I always go back to the abuser and why on earth why does the abuser choose to abuse abuse what what has happened in that abuser's life that have caused them what did they see. Uh, growing up, and a lot of times uh, they come from families who, uh, where they saw uh, their their mother or uh, being abused or or somebody uh, being abused, and then sometimes uh, sometimes abusers go far. Uh, should I say sometimes those who have observed uh, abusive relationships go far away from that that says I will never ever. Uh, uh, hit a woman or hit uh, anybody, a man or a child, uh, because I saw my father uh, do this to my mother. I saw my uncle do this to my aunt, whatever. So my question has always been, why does the abuser choose to abuse? Do you know why uh, your husband, your former husband, uh, abused you? What did he really like? Do you know? I, I really don't don't know why as far as answering why he would do that. But I do know that um, through conversations, even before the abuse began, um, that um, he stated to me that his father used to abuse his mom. So Mm -hmm. he did share with me that he's seen um, his mother, um, you know, get abused or be abused by um, his father. But, and this was before there was any, any abuse. I would have never thought, you know, after that conversation that he would even become an abuser or be an abuser. He didn't become to be an abuser because they don't become abusers. It's within mm-hmm. 
and it just comes That's out exactly. of them. And how, and how long into your marriage before you first experienced the first abusive uh, incident? Um, it was, I would say, um, maybe after the first three years. Um, okay. It began with a slap, and I was just like shocked, like, why did you do that? You know, why did you, because I didn't, I wasn't raised in a home where, you know, there was abuse. And if my parents had a disagreement, the children never knew that there was a disagreement. That's right. So I didn't, I just never, yeah, I never experienced. So I didn't know that this was the beginning with the slap, you know, I'm thinking. So did he he try to keep your family and friends and people uh, around you? You mentioned the fact that some women have to ask, can they go to work? So were, did you feel trapped? Were you able to communicate with your friends and the military installations or your family, your parents or siblings? I don't know if you have a sibling, but were you able to communicate with people? Um, I was able to communicate with them because, you know, military, you travel, you're around, you're everywhere. You're yeah. not even really close yeah. to, you know, your family. So it's like you build family as you're moving around. You exactly. meet different people. So he never really attempted to cut off the communication uh, with me, with my family, but he really didn't allow me to really have friends. You know, I mean, I was able to socialize with, um, you know, my friends or whatever when he was at work or whenever he was in the field or whatever, uh, because he was infantry. So, but as far as when he was around, it was, it, it was just what he wanted. You know, it was, I mean, it just, it was so bad until it was the kids and I, and he wanted to do what he wanted to do, and he would take, like, the doorknobs off the door, and he would take them with him. So I can't go to wow. bed if I have children. Yes, yes. It's deep. It's crazy. So it was It was just I, I had some wild experiences. Did you feel like, I really did. You did. Feel, Ms. Virginia, did you feel that you were responsible for any of that behavior? Because sometimes no. abusers – will make you feel emotionally uh, responsible for what is going on in the family. And you're right. It is uh, insanity. And that person, that individual person uh, needs, uh, needs help. And so were you able to, was he able to get himself help? And then I'll, I'll bring um, in my partner to ask questions. No, because he never, he never really felt as if he had a problem, you know, and most abusers, they don't feel as if they have a problem. Um, so therefore they're the only help the only reason that most abusers receive help if it's court mandated. And when it's court mandated, they're really not uh let's say going into anger management classes or whatever uh, right. because they right. want the help. They're only going there because it's court mandated and this is something that they must do. So So what no. was the outcome of the tri- of the trial? And, and then, Miss um, Rihanna, you can come in and ask questions. Go ahead. Well, the, the wonderful part about this, this is really amazing because, and, and again, I'm sure that some of, if there's anyone out there that's listening can truly understand what I'm saying. You know, when, when you're in a re- an abusive relationship, you just feel as if you're just so in love. Your mindset is all over the place. So believe it or not, um, I did not file charges. Um, the state picked up the charges. Yes, right. yes, I know that sounds really crazy, but it's true. Um, and yeah. he only he received five years, and that was it. 
but after the five years. Five years of in prison? Yes. He received a dishonorable discharge. Uh, we, were in, we, we had gotten kicked off post, so we were living civilian life. So now we're off post. He's in the military, but we, we got kicked out of the housing on post. Okay. So sure. civilians, it, yeah, so he ended up, you know, uh, doing just the five years um, dishonorable discharge. Um, but, after, but after he had gotten out of prison, we got back together after that. Oh, Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. But yes, you're that's not why together I'm now. Today. Oh, absolutely you're... not. Absolutely yes. not. No. Right. No, absolutely not. We are so not So you since married um, again? I did. But Okay. Um, Miss Rihanna, I'm gonna bring bring my partners in. Miss Rihanna has some questions and Mr. Arthur may have some and she I think Miss Rihanna has some questions in regards to the children because the children suffer as well. The mm-hmm. children suffer greatly. Ms. Rihanna, come right on in and ask Ms. Virginia the questions that you have for her. Yes, thank you so much for being on, first of all, and we celebrate you that thank you. not only did you finally, uh, were you able to leave and regain your self-value and self-esteem and build a new life and help others and give back. It's just, it's beautiful that you've done that and I'm so so glad you walked out that door and you were able to do that and that you're here thank to you. talk about it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, and I also, I want to thank you for uh, really going into detail, just some of the nitty gritty details that a lot of people don't understand if they haven't experienced domestic violence in their home as a, a direct victim or as a child or someone living in the home. Um, and you just you give a lot of details that uh, can be glossed over that sometimes people don't think about, so I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to bring up, when we were talking about the different forms that the abuse takes and kind of the, the way it progresses, you don't just walk in and the doorknobs are off the door. It started with emotional battery and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And the financial abuse and things like that, I wanted to point out that, um, and you did touch on this, that children, using children is a a really powerful tool that abusers have. How many children Mm -hmm. uh, the person, the abused person is going to have, no matter what their choice is, um, Mm -hmm. how those children will be raised, how those children, what they will see, uh, how they, you know, they can just be manipulated as a tool for that abuse too. So I just wanted to point that out um, to everyone. And thank you so much for sharing your story. You, you're welcome. I'm, I'm just so glad to be here to be able to to share my story. And, and I'm just hoping that it empowers someone uh, to make that right decision, to know that it will not change. It gets worse. Yeah. I just hope that that someone really grasped that's so important. Yes, ma'am. I can tell you that who people out there listening, I know that a lot of people listen, and there's a really good chance, especially right now when we're all cooped up, those things <laughs> do tend to increase. So someone out there will find this information useful, and I have a feeling that you save lives every day. Thank you. 
fact, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Ms. Rihanna, about uh, quarantine time, because people, uh, Ms. Virginia, are all, as Ms. Rihanna says, we're all in one space together. People are not accustomed to being closed in, and all day long Mm -hmm. they're uh, they're inside and and perhaps because people are a little short fused because they're not able to get out and do all the things that they are accustomed to doing. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, so I, I agree with you 100 percent that there are some people out there right now that's being abused. Some children are being abused. Some children are being exposed to perhaps things that they have not been uh, exposed to before because they could have been at school or could have been someplace mm-hmm. else, but now they're Absolutely. all in the house all day long, every day. So, uh, so that so so let's and Mr. Arthur, we're going to bring him in. But but what are some potential signs that that we should be able to look for? Because you said it was about three years before even before you begin to experience uh, this abuse. But there, were there ever any signs? Uh, that that you saw uh, that uh, that would lead you to think as retrospectively as you look back uh, that that you saw that maybe you didn't recognize at that particular time that you learned that was part of um, warning signs for abusers, if any. I really did not see any. Um, I guess I could say that um, there was control um, at that time. Uh, again, I wasn't I wasn't raised in a home with abuse. So, um, as I look back and as I work with women and children and speaking with men to refer them to other entities for assistance, um, I I look back and I see that there were some control issues. But at that time, I did not even recognize. Um, that there were control issues. I was just thinking, oh, he loves me, and he don't really want me to go anywhere, and he don't really want me to do anything. Oh, I was just psyched up thinking it was all because he loved me. So I didn't really see any. Yeah, yeah it's really hard when you haven't, in the beginning, um, and then I guess, you know, in the beginning we, um, whenever we are in uh, these situation or these circumstances, we're just blind to the fact of a lot of things because we want it to work. We we want um, everything to just be wonderful. We want that wonderful life. Um, so right. anything that sure. we see is like we brush it under the table and we omit it. So the only thing I can really like, I mean, as I think about it right now, would be maybe control. But I thought that control was, you know, love at that time. Right. Now, I don't know where where your uh, former husband is right now, but I guess the question that I would have is that, do you see that it's a possibility that abusers can change uh, that behavior? And if so, how, what do you see that they need to do? And, and you mentioned the fact that, that they, they may have court-mandated uh, procedures mm-hmm. where they have to go and listen to uh, counselors and everything, but I know that uh, that behaviors can be changed. It may take a long time, right? So do you feel that an abuser's uh, behavior can change with the proper uh, work and health to get them to a healthier relationship? And I don't know if you can talk about uh, where he is and how he is, and you may not even know the answer to that, but I, I'm just always curious 
about abusers and how they their lives end up and how they can transition into a more healthier relationship. And obviously, uh, abusers have a low self-esteem as well. We have to keep that in mind. Not only are the persons who are being abused, because you mentioned that you had a low self-esteem, but those mm-hmm. abusers have a low self-esteem. And they really need, they're seeking power, they're seeking control, but they really, really need uh, help as well. Any comments in regard to that? And then Mr. I think Ms. Rihanna has more, uh, more questions, and then we'll bring Mr. Arthur in if he has a question for you. Um, I believe um, that anyone um, can change, um, but when it comes to an abuser, I believe they can change, but I sure. also believe that they first must mm-hmm. admit that they mm-hmm. have a problem. Mm-hmm. That's the first yeah. thing. And if that's yeah. not admitted, they can sit in front of a counselor or in an anger management until they really admit, I do have a problem. I do need help. I I just don't see a change. I mean, sure. I may be wrong, but I'm I'm just, you know, giving my opinion. No, I, I think you're 100. In other words, they have to have a desire. They have to choose to want to change. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and recognize the fact that they do have a problem, right? And some, Absolutely. some don't recognize that they have a problem. They push that, they place it on someone else, right, is what you're saying. Absolutely. They, they Absolutely. think it's somebody they, else's problem. And somebody, not exactly. Problem. Someone else's fault. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to be honest, I do know where he is, and he's my children's father. Okay. Um, so um, we don't I'm sorry, have say, the, the, say that again? He, he's I'm the sorry. father of my children. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so right. um, I do know his location. Um, I, okay. I mean, so, we, so do we don't communicate. Doing but well, of course. You're right. uh, no. Do you see that no. he's doing better? No. 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 Okay. No. All right. Okay. No, then. because he's had several you, I, to leave because of that abuse. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Mm. Ms. Donna, you had another question, and then Mr. Arthur. I did have just, just one other question, and it actually um, goes right on the back of what was just said, we know that a a lot of times, if not every time, uh, in these situations, abusers, people who who do this, have a lot of issues with narcissism, whether they're an outright narcissist or just have a lot of those Mm -hmm. tendencies. And a big part of that is the need to wear a mask. And my Mm -hmm. question is, you know, you mentioned that after – the big blow up, um, the big unloading on you uh, from him and the court and the jail time that you did get back together. And a lot of people who don't know uh, or or can't relate to the experience may not understand that. And I'm wondering if some part of that um, had to do with the fact that the abuse was a private, in his mind, and, and probably manipulated into your mind, a private thing between the two of you that wasn't supposed to be exposed. And you sort of, you exposing it was, was a big moment in the relationship. And, and like, if he could get you back, that maybe you still have that, that you didn't have to expose that again. Is that making sense? Like, was that part of the, a hold on you? Uh, that, well, I... 
Because when, it, when it's good, it's great, and when it's explosive, it's horrible. And that's something that the yes. two of you had together, and that was part of the. Does, does that make sense? So that was it part does. of the. It does. So, okay. It does. And um, for I would say maybe four months after um, he was released, and um, he came to Minnesota, where you know where I was located at that time, uh, for about four months. Everything was really good, and then the mm-hmm. abuse um, started again. But wow. that's when, you know, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I can't afford to, you know, um, accept oh, yeah. any more blows to my head or anything. You know, I mean, I had to really think about my children at this point. It was not about me anymore. It was about me as a mother uh, to be here for my children. So mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was going to live or die when I said that I was leaving because I'd never spoken back to him uh, when he would say things to me. I was just like silent. But um, wow, it, it just looking back and just you asking that question really made totally different. But I've grown so much since then. But yes. at that time, I just felt like, oh, I'm in love and it's going to be okay. And he's not going right. to do it again, you know. But right. he mm-hmm. did do it again. Um, and then I yeah. knew it from that doing it again, it's going to happen again and again and again. And I just had to tell myself, I can't afford for this to continue to happen to me because I'm not going to live if I do. So I left, and at that point, I never went back again. Wow. Your behavior is very, very common. Uh, We've heard it over and over from everybody that we've we've talked to, to in the past, uh, everybody that we've counseled with that's been in some of our programs, everybody that's been on this show even, uh, say the same identical thing. We're going to bring in Mr. Arthur, and then we're going to bring in Ms. Sharon Berry, who actually is the chairperson, the county chairperson of uh, Houston County out here in uh, Crockett, Texas. We're going to bring her in, and uh, she's, she's going to actually end our show, but we'll make her a part of this conversation as well. Mr. Arthur, go ahead, and Ms. Sharon, if you press 1, and you'll put, we'll put you in the queue, and Miss um, Rihanna have you on our board. Mr. Arthur? Uh, okay, uh, first, I'd like to say uh, thank you for doing that work because uh, we need people to do it. Uh, yes. but, 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 to, but to Rihanna's point, you know, in abusive relationships, if, if you if you get into them, you find out that, first of all, it's a, it's a learned behavior. It's like passed on from generation yeah. to generation. And, and, uh, yeah. and then and a lot of times two hurt people wind up together. Yeah. And they don't realize oh, wow. they was hurt till after they got together. And then once they get together, when they hit that rough yeah. spot, they can't, they, they're not in enough mental shape to really help each other. So they turn on each other, based on what it comes down to. But, but, but what I want to ask you is, though, with COVID-19, the new situation, folks at home, close, close together, I know the numbers went up. Do you know anything about the numbers as far as uh, 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 you know, how, uh, how much more abuse is being reported and that type of thing? Um, right now, as far as I know, is the numbers that's close around maybe um, in Harris, Montgomery County. I am in Houston. Um, I do know right now those numbers are up about 35%, um, wow. receiving like over a 1,000 calls or more a day um, wow. on domestic violence. So it, it, it is really, it's, it's, it's extremely high right now. It's extremely high. Wow. And, and those are just the statistics that are around in the area, uh, basically where I'm located. So I could only imagine what the numbers are nationwide right now. That's um, amazing. I Oh, my. 
every time I hear these stories, uh, it just, my heart breaks uh, because, uh, you know, love, love is a form of respect. And so you can show me how much you love me by respecting me as a human being, first of all, and then as a woman, secondly, uh, as a woman that that you decided that you want to select to spend the rest of our lives with. And so I'm, I'm just always baffled when I hear these stories uh, over and over and over. And so, uh, so anyways, uh, listen, your, your story is amazing, uh, I guess, because of the fact of everything that you went through medically. And as a medical person, I'm sitting here listening uh, to, uh, to your story and, and just, and my heart burns within. But but my heart is happy because of where you are and where you have brought yourself. But God, you. Uh, you would amen. Miss Sharon Berry, <laughs> come on in and uh, I, I press one. Good evening, you, everyone. Yes, can thank you. Hear you. Me? Yes, ma'am, we can hear you. Go ahead. Yes, uh, Miss Virginia, I came on late, so I did not hear your story. But I am absolutely thrilled that you are here to tell it. Um, uh, when I was in the military, I was uh, the victim of abuse. And when you and and to your story, it's like mm-hmm. I don't know what rank your husband or if you were the active duty person, but you have that side of the story because the first thing, in addition to you being um, abused, then you have to worry about your husband's or your spouse's rank and how that whole scenario plays into the future for you and your children. I heard you say that you all were kicked off of base and all of that. And mm-hmm. and when with my story and because of my circumstances, I made it a point to be a voice because um, wow. my husband was a senior officer and I was not. And, and I just thought, uh, it, you know, like you said, and mine was with the slap. And I remember it was like I had an out-of-body experience, and I kept saying, this man hit me. And it was just like that, that matrix moment. I was just going like, mm-hmm. I cannot believe this man hit me. And I immediately went to the provost marshal, which was his, his friend. And, of course, they swept it under the rug. And the thing that mm-hmm. hit my mind was, I am expendable. I, they don't care about me. So then you go through this, oh, they just love me, and it's just jealousy and all of that. And I demanded that we get into counseling. So you fast forward three years, that's when the second time happened. And I went back. I went to the court system, and they made him do community work and everything. And at that facility, it was just senators and and senior officers and military people and again, I said, women are expendable. That's what the world was telling me. And the third time it happened, I went to the state police. And I said, I don't care what you have to do, this stops. And, and, and the damage was, what was I showing my daughter? What was mm. I showing my daughter? And right. I refused. And I was not silent. I have always told people, if you don't stop it, they won't stop. Because the the they police me down and said, you are one of the lucky ones. He says, we see this all the time. And I knew this because I, being um, an officer, I was counseling people 
every day about don't do this. And me, and now yeah. I was the victim, and I refused to be silent. And I let everyone know, everyone, because before, wow. and, 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 and it was really for my children. I wanted my daughter to see that this is not the way a healthy relationship and family operates. Yeah. And I got all the sorries. I got the counseling and everything. But when we dug deep, it was baggage that he brought from childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, he saw yeah. his, and he saw the abuse, and it was never dealt with. And he was very yeah. open and honest about getting some help. But, you know, I, wasn't, I just wasn't going to be around. So I am very, very happy. Like I said, I did not hear your whole story. But I am certain glad that you are here to tell it. Exactly. And well, just to give you a little bit, that's excellent, and thank you so much for that, uh, Ms. Barry, uh, Chairman, Chairwoman. And also, Ms. <laughs> Barry is the Vice President of the Texas Coalition of Black Democrats, so we want to bring that out. But, but she has an amazing story. She had 32 stitches in her head, but she was left to die. She was on oh, wow. uh, in a coma for three months, and it was her oh, husband who was the military, uh, the military man. Uh, Miss Barry, uh, Miss Virginia is military, and her husband was military. And so, so I commend you, ladies, for getting out of these positions and moving on forward into healthier relationships because there are uh, people out there who don't do this, men who don't do this, women who don't do Absolutely. this. Absolutely, we do know, we do know that there are a small percentage of men who uh, experience the same thing. Let, let's circle back around to you, uh, Mr. Arthur. I don't know if you, if you were finished with your questions uh, for Miss Virginia, but we want, we want. Do you have any other questions for her? Yeah, I was going to ask what type of strategies are she, is she telling uh, abuse victims to use at this particular time during uh, COVID nineteen? Is there anything uh, extra ordinary that she's telling them to do? Um, I am asking them to um, put a plan together, um, and putting a plan together is making sure you have your most important paperwork. Um, find um, a place that you can put so, therefore, when you are going to leave, when you make that decision, all you need to do is just grab you have everything that you need, your bank information, your insurance, your whatever papers it is that you do need. Um, so we, we really have been really speaking with them um, about a plan. The problem, however, that we are truly running into right now because of COVID-19, a lot of the shelters, um, they are full. Um, those that are not full, they are not accepting um, a lot of, of victims because of the COVID-19. Um, wow. And of course, yeah, they're being silent. So a lot of them do not want to go to their families. So it's really been really tough because it's almost as if our hands are tied. So what we've really been trying to do is deal with some of the hotels. Uh, We really have not been successful with that um, to get the hotels to assist us that we could get these victims out uh, to be able to place them in a hotel. So at least that they will be safe. So, um, we we were just really just um, having them to put their plans together, um, just trying to get them to make a report uh, to the police for a paper trail if they do not want to file charges, because a lot of them do not want to file charges. So we're informing them and we're asking them, please just report it 
So if you if it gets to the point where they need to protect themselves or defend themselves and something happens, they have a paper trail to show that they have been actually dealing with domestic violence. Um, there are many of them that never reported never did anything, so now they're in prison just because they finally stood up to defend themselves and there were no paper trails. So we're really just trying to get them to make the right decisions right now. Great. I know that there is a national hot uh, domestic violence hotline and, and numbers that people can call for. Would you like to uh, to share that with us? or And then how people can reach out to you as well. I mean, this is, uh, as Ms. Rihanna said, this is powerful stuff. Uh, and, uh, and and I really appreciate uh, Ms. Sharon Berry coming in because she, first of all, she, she's my, uh, she's my sorority sister. She's my up close and personal <laughs> friend. Uh, she is my sister in arms because uh, we all <laughs> served in the military. And, but I never, ever, ever, and I'm sitting with my mouth dropped. She's never told her story. And so see how everything all comes together. I invited her to come and just talk about uh, a a little bit at the end of the show about voting and and people signing up to uh, register for uh, positions on the uh, Texas Democratic Convention. And then she comes with a story to solidify how a, a strong woman can move away from that kind of relationship and how she can throw the uh, real mm-hmm. back and help other women and men, but we're talking about women tonight right now, and pull them out of that relationship. I so appreciate her coming in and sharing her story with us. Right. Do you have some hotline right. information, Miss Virginia? Uh, yes. Uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline number is one 800 799 Seven two three three. I will repeat that number again. It is one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. If anyone would like to reach out to me on my firm, um, that number is one eight hundred two nine two seven zero six six. Once again, one eight hundred two nine two seven zero six six. We also have a group page on Facebook, which is Greer. DV Consulting Firm, LLC, um, where we really do help a lot of victims through that page. They inbox us for um, assistance, so we really have helped a lot of victims through that page. Um, The website is under construction at this time. However, it is www.greerdvconsultingfirm.com, and that DV is like domestic violence. So it's Greer DV Consulting Firm, LLC. Okay, let me ask you this. Then, is there a fee involved in your company? Can you give us a little bit about that and uh, and you're setting up your company and all of that and helping people? I'm sure that with, because you're a professional woman and with professional designations, so I'm sure there's a fee involved in this. Am, am I correct? And if so, uh, how can they, for those that may not be able to afford it, are there grants or anything that can assist uh, people who may not be able to afford to pay the fee if, in fact, there is a fee? Go ahead. Well, believe it or not, right now, um, for um, the services of domestic violence, uh, we there is no fee for the services that 
and that was my decision. There is no fee at this time uh, for the services for domestic violence. However, when we are working with the men and women that are released from prison or we are working with new business startup or we're working the adolescent program, there are fees for those programs. But as far as domestic violence, right now there is no fee for the services um, that may change in the future, but for right now, I know um, what it's like. I know when you don't have the finances and you need the services, and we will never, ever turn away no victim that needs assistance, never. Okay. Let's finalize by talking a little bit about your uh, your incarcerated uh, program that you mentioned, and I don't know if this is specifically for uh, – for people who have experienced or who have been an abuser or if it's anybody for whatever they have committed, any crime that they have committed that you help, or is this for the uh, domestic abusers? Question. Uh, no, it's it's not. It may be um, some some of the parolees may be um, abusers, may were both abusers before, but um, – a lot of them, it just all depends, and really we are contracted, so we're facilitating um, the three-step three, three step program, get in step, stay in step, and watch your step. Um, it is a pre- and post-program um, that we work with the incarcerated. So it's altering their behavior. It's helping them before the so reentry program to assist them before they are uh, release back into their communities or release back with their families uh, to get them in step so they'll know exactly what to do as they go back out into the community. Now, I love that. Get in step, stay in step. And, and watch your step. And watch, watch your step. Your step. Yes. I love that. <laughs> My goodness. Thank you. That's beautifully so well, so well put. We're excited to have had you on uh, tonight to talk about your story. We thank uh, our sorority sister uh, and our top lady of distinction, uh, Miss Thelma Johnson, for bringing you on, for introducing you to us, because you have an amazing story. I mean, I'm just sitting here baffled. Uh-huh. Tell me what Miss Rihanna corrected me, and she said it was more than 30-some stitches. Tell us again how many stitches you had in your, your head. It was 246 stitches. Two hundred wow. and four. I, I'm a medical person, okay, and yes. so I'm just looking at, and I, I'm, I'm visualizing that. I mean, that line that's got to go all the way across your head wow. for two hundred and forty-some suits. Oh my goodness! I'm. Oh yes. my. It was all You're over my head, and of, then it, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all over my head, and then there's only maybe one or two that's at the forehead, and um, there's one that's actually just like an X um, that I believe is over my right eye. Uh, many people tell me, well, I don't know what scars you're talking about because I don't see them, but I see them because I know that they're there. And I used to try Absolutely. and hide them, but no, no, no. I walk in victory. Uh, now, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm blessed. Uh, to be here. So I walk in victory 
with my scars yeah. now, and I'll tell anyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was abused. Right. I was beat. That's that's what my scars, but I wouldn't say that before, though. I used to, did sure. not tell the truth. I used to say I was in a car accident, and, and I came, you know, and I came up, fell out of a window, or came through a window, and my mom was like, wow. you better stop saying that, you know, because you're really going to end up in a car accident going through the window. I need you to tell the truth. Wow. So, rest, you yeah. know, her soul, I began to tell the truth, and I became stronger, and I just began mm-hmm. to help and then it just yeah. and then I just open up my company and I just I'm just available for whoever needs me. I understand. Beautiful. Well, we're going to yeah. end uh, we we're going to talk a little bit about politics we always do uh on this show uh but but I want you to finalize give us your final safety tips for anybody out there. Any final comments that you want to tell the listeners out there. There's a lot of people I'm getting a text messages myself uh, asking questions so uh, uh, so just any final comments and then and, and stick around we're on till 10 p.m. if you'd like but it's been a pleasure I'm talking about a pleasure to have you thank on you with us tonight yes ma'am any final comments thank you. from you yes ma'am final comments to anyone that you know again um, may be experiencing and living their life in domestic violence I just want them to know that there is life after this. I know right now you may believe and feel like I'm, I'm alone, I'm by myself, no one cares. There are many of us all over the world, we do care. And a lot of us, we are survivors. We are victorious now. So now we are here to stand in the gap to make a difference and give you guidance for a better life. There is life after this. We just want you to have a life after this. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate your being on Marvelous Monday. And you've made this even more marvelous. Why? Because you've disseminated information out there to people who need to know this information, who need to know that they can succumb to this, such as the beautiful life that you and our dear friend, uh, Miss Sharon Berry, have experienced, because she's gone on to yes. have a beautiful life with a beautiful, you have a new husband, and so you're living a great life. And so you, to look at your photograph, you could never tell. You're a beautiful woman. <laughs> Always Thank remember you. that. You can never tell Thank you. that you Thank have you. ever been abused. And certainly with a strong will, my friend, strong will, Miss Sharon Berry, strong will, you would never think that. But she stepped right up and took care of that thing right up front. And that's what you're saying to the women and the men who are listening out there is that Absolutely. tell somebody. Tell somebody. Yeah, Thank somebody. you. Miss Sharon Berry, come on in. Let's talk a little bit about our last uh, uh, 25 minutes or so about uh, uh, the uh, Texas Democratic Convention and everything that's going on in the political world and what you need for us to do uh, uh, coming up for June and, and say, November. Go ahead. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Um, and thank you guys for having this show. Um, you know, it was um, on the news today, and one of the ladies, uh, the newscasters, uh, asked one of the um, reporters, and the the thing that they said they were really concerned about is because a lot of the abuse cases, you know, were reported by teachers from, you know, children that they yes. would, you know, observe the thing. Yes. So it is so good that you all are covering this. And so my hat's off to the victims and the ones who are here to tell. But now we we talk about convention, and everyone knows it's going to be a virtual convention. And the good thing that's happening 
is that everyone that signed up to be a delegate will be a delegate. So normally, if whatever your Senate district, you might have six or seven, eight or nine, 12 or 13, everyone who signed up will be a delegate. So I'm sure in the next one or two weeks, your inbox will be inundated with people saying, vote for me, vote for me, I'm on this, I want to do this. And if you have not, I am asking everyone, get involved. If you're not a part of the solution, then you're probably part of the problem. Amen. There are nomination (laughs) committees, the rules committees, the resolution committees, credentials, and just the issues that we are speaking about tonight. Get on, you know, put those resolutions forward. Make sure it becomes a part of your community platform, your, your county platform, and subsequently the Democratic Party's platform. And you keep pushing those, in, those, uh, those issues, like you're pushing that ball up the hill. You've got to keep pushing those issues until you get them in front of the right person. And to do that, you've got to be a part of this process. And um, I know uh, Glenn Maxey sent out um, a form yesterday telling people of everyone in your county that signed up for a particular committee. If you can't, if you don't have it, if you cannot get it from your county chair or get some aid from your Senate district uh, committee man, committee woman, please don't hesitate to call the Texas Democratic Party. And then even if there are people that have signed up, you know your value, you know your worth, and you know what you want to contribute. Get on those committees. I don't care if there are two people. You run to that committee because you have something to say, and who says it better? You. Very good. No one says it better than you. Right. So how? tell us how uh, we can get online for those that are listening out there that have not signed up for a um, particular committee. How do they do that? Well, right now you have to go. Um, it should have come from your county chair um, because you will it, – it, it has to come from your county chair with all the listing of people who have um, – who are delegates and – I mean, I don't know how your party and your your everything works in, in Smith County, but for me, I just okay. simply sent the list out to all of my delegates and say, hey, right. what committees are you going to work at? And that, that date has been extended to um, May 15th. So when I get off the line, I will send that link to you because I'm not at a computer right now. I will send sure. that link to you, um, Dr. McKellar, and you can forward it to the right people. But I think I had forwarded to um, some people in Smith County already because we were on um, a call and one of the Smith County uh, people called in and, and with, with basically, you know, I want to make sure I get the information. And we um, sent it to that person. So um, I will make sure I get it to you and you can forward Thank it you. out to the necessary people, all the links. Very good. Thank you so much. So as far as being a delegate now, that's all closed. I am a delegate for the uh, yes. Texas Democratic Convention. That's all, that part is all closed. So just know those mm-hmm. that are listening out there, you cannot become a delegate. But you, And then the question, I believe, is 
do you have to be a delegate in order to serve on these committees? Yes, you do, because then you won't get uh, a chance to vote. You have to be a delegate to run for yes. the committees. Yes. yes, okay, very good. So then give us the day you mentioned the fact that this is going to be a virtual uh, convention because of COVID. We know that our convention was actually scheduled to be in San Antonio. Everybody was looking forward to going to San Antonio for that. So now the virtual uh, convention. Uh, explain to us what that virtual co- uh, convention will look like. Wow, it's going to be huge. <laughs> um, um, and I think convention convention really is the first of the first through the sixth of June. But prior to that, starting um, I, I, I want to say maybe the the twentieth, and I don't have my dates, but we will start voting. Um, if you are a delegate, they will start sending you um, at the particular time. I was trying to grab my iPad and get some stuff. They will start sending you um, the dates, the particular dates that you will have to vote for something. But I don't have that right. schedule in front of me, and I apologize, no Dr. Okay. I will, no, no, I will get no that to you, and I will keep okay. you abreast Great. of what's going on as I get it. Excellent. I I did sign up to get my virtual ticket so that I could make sure that I'm able to get on because can you imagine how massive this virtual uh, uh, convention is going to be because and which means that we're and I I don't know if it's going to be via Zoom or if it's going to be just via the telephone. Uh, it's going to be interesting how this all plays out. And then, so let's let's touch bases a little bit then on uh, the national convention, which uh, was scheduled to be in Milwaukee. And I, I think Perez is still trying to push for for that. But I can tell you unequivocally that I don't believe that anything yeah. massive is going to happen all the way to December 31st. Uh, 2020. I just don't see that happening, considering that COVID is just attacking us left and right, even though in this great state of Texas, which uh, most of us are in Texas that are that are on, uh, I'm talking about the uh, partners that are on with us tonight to include uh, Ms. Sharon Berry, Mr. Arthur Fleming, uh, Ms. Rihanna is the one that's out in Kentucky, uh, and, but, and I'm here in, te- in Texas, but uh, I, I don't See, I, I just don't see that that national convention uh, taking place, and uh, uh, and that was just sometime this summer, right? That that was supposed to take place as well. So, with that being said, I got my virtual ticket, and so uh, for those of you that are delegates out there, or if you just want to attend the convention, uh, Miss Sharon, we actually had. Uh, we had a young lady on that's running for one uh, the uh, young Democrats uh, DNC uh, seat uh, with Miss uh, Kerrigan Sanders uh, brought her on uh, Miss Brianna uh, well, yeah. yes yes came on with us early at the beginning of the show and those two young ladies are doing amazing work in the great state of Texas but any more any more comments Miss Arthur you may have some uh, questions or comments yeah. of Miss Sharon Berry as we know once again yeah. she is the vice chair of vice president of the Texas Coalition of Black Democrats, as well as to tell that you had a question for her or a comment. How you doing, Ms. Barry? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, okay, now for folks like myself who, uh, you know, were too late to uh, become delegates or whatever, 
uh, how do we participate in convention, and uh, what room is the happy hour in? <laughs> Mine is every so day right here. <laughs> I tell you, every day right um, here. One thing I would encourage you, uh, so you will be ready the next time, is you know probably uh, jump on Miss uh, uh, Brianna's or Kirigan's, um campaign staff and help them get the word out. Um, get a list of the delegates. Um, and help them make, you know, well, not you can't get a list of delegates. No, you cannot get a list of delegates. But they can Mm-mm. have you to maybe help them make some phone calls or just help them do their campaigning. Um, and and shame on you for not being involved at this point. But well, you, I've, been, you know, I, I, I've been preoccupied with colored people. I know. <laughs> they take all my time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing about Mr. Arthur, he never bites his tongue, uh, Michelle. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that he says it hurt. That caught me off guard there. That caught me I off guard. I caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, have, I am, yeah, I am, um, you know what, and that, that brings me to a good point. Um, for whatever reason lately, there's been like an inner, just a, a discontent or disconnect in the Democratic Party, just on issues among us. I think, I believe that the party has been infiltrated with people who are really Republicans or Republican-oriented um, and holding Democratic positions because, you know, we're, we're gaining ground, we're gaining momentum, we're changing things. And so that's something that we have to uh, pay attention to. The other thing is, is, and if you know of people who are in positions like that, the Democratic Party is really good about, you know, we have to get those people out. The other uh, thing that's that's going on is with um, African-American women, as they are gaining ground again, just forces are just popping up. of people being discontent and using, trying to use the system to change things. And, and the Democratic Party and we women, African-American, Caucasian, any ethnicity, we have got to stop fighting each other. And mm-hmm. I tell people, don't, don't go after the sisters, go after the system. Okay. Change the system, okay. make the system work. Excellent point. Excellent point. Hey, Ms. Barry, and what I want to say to you is what I said to the young ladies earlier. You know, the Republican Party, they've made a, an, an intentional effort to, to to peel off black men. And I'm saying to the sisters, hey, you know, don't let, don't let the Democratic Party do the same thing for another reason. Mm-hmm. Peel y'all yeah. off from, you see what I'm saying? So we need to be, be conscious and intentional about how we proceed with our relationship, you know, politically, uh, because we need each other. Uh, if y'all get to the promised land, we ain't there. It ain't going to be no real promised land. <laughs> I'm, here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> well, because because I live with one, I don't go too many places without him, and I'm just going to keep that in the back of my mind to make sure he tags along. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. I'm, hey, I'm really glad. You know what? Our next... The next SDEC meeting is the 1st of June. We got the notice today. And um, 
I, I don't know when we're going to talk uh, on the next S, uh, uh, Texas Coalition of Black Democrats. But when we do, I'm, uh, Mr. Arthur, I would definitely like you to come on and explain and, you know, uh, elevate that very point there because I had not um, heard that yet. And I know we're doing a show as you as you see me, and and I'm going to address issues along this line of we have got to stop tearing each other up. We've got to continue to lift each other. And to me, you know, they talk about black-on-black crime. Now we're not in the streets. We're on social media. And that has to stop. We're doing their work. It has to stop. So I appreciate that. uh, I'll definitely keep my eyes and ears open. Um, But, again, one way we can start, start this and stop what's happening is we've got to participate, and especially to African-American women. And I I am so proud to be who I am and to elevate yeah. us, but I don't want any other woman, women to think that I am leaving them in the trenches. This is our time. We have to elevate each other and lift each other up, and we can do that even higher on the shoulders and backs of men. So I do understand Beautiful. the role that we, this moment, we just, you know, we just a little higher. But we got there standing on my husband's shoulders or, you know, him helping and lifting me up. So I do see, I see the big picture. Well, you know, Beautiful. just why, why, you know, I try to explain to people is that, you know, the penitentiary industrial complex that locked all the brothers up for the generations that was by design. Uh, when brothers, because yeah. I know about corporate corp America at that time, uh, they pitted brothers and sisters against each other for the same job. Long run, the sisters won. Of course, what I'm just saying is that it's all by design. Okay, but the sisters, you know, y'all here, y'all, you know, you we got the will, we got the skill, uh, and, and we got the ability. All like you said, all we have to do is stay together. Don't let the Democratic mm-hmm. Party do do their version of what I'm telling you about. The Republican Party doing the, the, the Democratic Party got their version of that, and so we have sure. to be conscious of that, and to uh, sure. and, and understand our powers intertwine. You know, don't let them say, well, you know, thirteen percent of the brothers voted for for you know for Republicans. Okay, like like now we don't get along. Really, eighty seven percent voted. You know what I mean? So still, I'm just saying we need wow. to work on that. Yeah, Very you're good. right. You're absolutely right, and we will. We definitely will. So all I have well, we, to know, all I have to, you just have to get the problem to me, and then it becomes my problem, or the coalition's yeah. problem, and we can elevate yeah. it. But I don't know what to fight for if I don't know it's happening. So I appreciate excellent, that. Excellent, excellent point. <laughs> excellent point. Hey, this has been outstanding, Miss Rihanna. I know that you have. Uh, you have any comments in regards to what's going on in Kentucky? And then we know, of course, that, uh, and I always talk about Jamie Harrison and the great work that he is doing. There's some seats that we really want to flip. Uh, there's a Texas seat that we want to flip, and that's that. That's uh, that's the senatorial seat uh, here in uh, Texas. Uh, we want uh, Cornyn to, to go on uh, because uh, we can't see that he's working on behalf of this great state of Texas, uh, that all of us are important. And uh, we, we have a, a runoff that's going to be coming up in July. And so we want to make sure that people 
get out to the polls and how, uh, Ms. Barry, are we going to be able to get our information? We know we can't knock on doors. And I asked the same question to the uh, the young Dems that were on early on in the beginning of the show. We can't, we're not going to be able to get out there and knock on doors like we used to. We're in a new day with COVID-19. Uh, and I mentioned, uh, Ms. Barry, that we had an outbreak here in my district uh, this morning. And so, uh, so we have we still have to be very, very careful uh, of uh, what's going on. This is real. And next next week, we actually want to invite you to come back on next Monday because we're going to talk about: Is this a conspiracy? Is this a democratic hoax? Uh, is this a hoax? Period. Uh, COVID nineteen. As we see people dying every single day, people. We 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 at, at the onset of our show. We we uh, we put our positive prayer thought out there for our Mr. Brandon Johnson over in Gregg County, who is the president. Uh, very active. He's an activist there. He was the president of the NAACP chapter of, of Gregg County. Uh, we know he picked up COVID nineteen from his wife, who his wife is doing well, but now oh, he wow. has it and it isn't hospitalized. I know you know Mr. Brandon. And so we pray yes. for all of those people who've been struck by this. We had a family member whose a funeral was this past, uh, where his burial was this past Saturday. Uh, so th- this is real. Every single morning we wake up, oh, absolutely. we hear. Over mm-hmm. and you, yes. you have it in your county now. And I think we, we've just about yes. hit, we have 254 counties in, in the great state of Texas. And I think we've almost crossed every sure, one of the sure, counties. Surely, surely. Everyone. Sure. Yes, sir. We were, yes, sir. I want to. Sure, sure. Say, I want, say something about our governor. Say something about our governor that has opened up our state. This is crazy. Okay. Go ahead, Mr. Really you can talk about it. I wanted to yesterday yesterday we were talking, um, they're trying to get to get this task force together. So yesterday we had about twenty two people on the phone. We're gonna do it again here seventy two hours, two days from now the second reiteration, because going forward, and this is about COVID-19, and I'm going to read you, the Office of Minority Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services administers grant programs to support projects that implement innovative models to improve minority health and reduce health disparities. And the opportunity is the national infrastructure for mitigating the impact of COVID-19 with racial and ethnic minority communities. And what this is, is after COVID-19 is a mere conversation, what has happened to the neighborhoods? You know, how is it impacting them, let's say 12, 18 months from now? So we're trying to get a group of people together, um, the health industry, logistics, everybody, to see, give me ideas. And we're, we're getting the teams together. And so um, if you all are interested, Please, after this call, send me your information. I'll make sure you get on the call um, to tomorrow evening, and then going to have our teams together because the the uh, everything has to be done by the 11th of May going forward. And I'll tell you what it's worth and all of that. But this basically is saying what happened to the people that we're trying to save now, and the ones that we do 12 months from now. 24 months from now when COVID-19 is a memory and a conversation, what's the impact? Very good. And I'm glad, please send that information uh, to us because we, because I want to make sure that 
that those vendors, uh, those minority-owned vendors that have masks, gloves, gowns, whatever, yes. that they're in the mix because here's what, what I do know, that that Go- Governor Greg Abbott opened up our city on Friday the 1st, and oh, then wow. the day he opened up our state, I should say, well, my city, but the state across the state of Texas, and those were, that very first day was one of the largest days that we had yes. uh, people yes. who were 1,000. Uh, that the, the last three days. The were, last three the days. The last three days. Last That's exactly days. correct. The la- every single day since he opened it up. And we also oh, know God. that about all of those multiple pastors and preachers and bishops and I, and I want the, uh, the churches to know that we're not wow. there yet. And so that you're no, going to have to be responsible for making sure that your parishioners have masks and gloves and all of that, and that you're going to have to, you're going to have to scrub. Yes. And nowhere near. And you're going to have to scrub. You're going to have to scrub that church building before you bring people back in there. (laughs) They want you dead. They want you dead. I'm trying to tell you, they want you dead, y'all. But we're going to vote instead. We're going to vote. Mr. Archer does not bite his tongue, uh, Ms. Berry. He does not. Nope. <laughs> Just remember that. And that's going to be my I'm meeting with with some uh, some uh, some pastors and preachers on tomorrow. Uh, and and so that's going to be that's my message to them. And then we're going to come right back here on Thursday. And then we're going to put yeah. it out here. And, and Ms. Sharon Berry, you can join us if you'd like. But we got to we got to make sure that people are educated, that they know this is not a hoax. And there are people saying that this is a hoax, that it's not as bad as uh, as what the media is saying. No, it's worse. It's worse. What time are you going to have? Come in at twelve fifteen and join us. We'll send you oh, that okay. number yeah, so you can join yeah. our midday show. Yeah. So that we can okay, we yeah. can get this message out here, and we got to make sure that our people are prepared before they get back into their church buildings, and even when they're out in the community, because I still see lots of people out there without without. So, listen, thank you guys so much. This has been an amazing show. We've had some outstanding guests and everything, and thank you for coming and joining us on Marvelous Monday, and come right back here again and be with us on next week, Miss Rihanna. We're going to turn it over to you and let you have a final comment, and then you can take us out, listen to our theme song. And our theme song has a big message that Good night. I believe in that message. Thank you so much. Ms. Rihanna, go ahead. It's all yours. Well, I did uh, want to thank all of our guests as well, and I wanted to give just two quick pieces of information going back to the domestic violence topic. Um, I wanted to say my mom is a survivor of domestic violence and something that she says that she would always tell someone going through that right now because she didn't have this ability back when she was going through it in the 70s and 80s. But now that we have debit cards, if you are planning an exit strategy or know that you need to leave, every time you go to Kroger, Walgreens, a place you can get cash back, get a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can safely get away with, and tuck that away in your emergency bag. Um, it, it adds up after a while. Whatever you can safely get away with getting cash back, try to do that every time you go to the store. Um, and to give the phone number again for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-7233. 
or you can go to www.thehotline.org and there are resources that are available to you. You are not alone. We hope that everyone takes care of themselves, takes care of one another. Uh, We love you and appreciate you, and we ask that you come back here next Monday night for Marvelous Monday. Good night, everybody. Good night. Night. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. Oh, oh glory. 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 Oh. To the heavens, no man, no weapon Formed against, yes, glory is destined Everyday women and men become legends Sins that go against our skin become blessings The movement is a rhythm to us Freedom is like religion to us Justice is juxtaposition in us Justice for all just ain't specific enough One son died, the spirit is revisiting us True and living, living in us Resistance is us That's why Rosa sat on the bus That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up When it goes down, we woman and man up They say stay down and we stand up Shots, we on the ground, the camera panned up King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up One day when the glory comes It will be ours, it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. glory, glory, oh. Every man, woman, and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day when the glory comes